Have you ever approached the holiday season with mixed feelings? Sort of like a combination of yay and oh, kind of all wrapped into one? Yeah. Well, it's November, and it's part two of our three-part series on handling the holidays. Today, we're looking at Thanksgiving specifically, and we're going to be looking at all the things that comes with it, both from the emotional angle as well as tactically from the food angle. Thanksgiving doesn't have to be a minefield if you go into it with some intention and some compassion. Feeling ready to embrace the holiday season? Oh yeah, let's go! Do you ever feel like you know all the diet rules about eat this but not that and so you know what to do, but you just have a hard time actually doing it? I'm here to tell you, you are not the problem. Hi, I'm Lizzie. Welcome to the Confident Body Podcast, where we talk about all the mental and emotional parts of weight loss that diets don't tell you. It's time to step past the shame and the guilt from old diets and stop feeling like you're waiting to lose weight in order to fully participate in life. If you're ready to drop the diet mindset and learn what it takes to truly feel happy and confident in your own skin, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back. Happy November and thank you so much for being here today. Today we're talking about Thanksgiving and the holidays. And before we dive into that, I just want to give a big shout out to my friends in Canada. Thanksgiving is in October in in Canada. And I once had a colleague who was Canadian and she said, you know, I don't know why you folks in the United States do Thanksgiving like three weeks away from Christmas. I get enough of my family. That's why it's really great to separate out Thanksgiving and Christmas by two months. And when she said that, I was like, you know, you got a point. At any rate, sending a nod and a wave to my friends in Canada who celebrated their Thanksgiving last month. But for those of us in the United States, let's talk turkey. All right. First, let's get it all out on the table. What are all the things on your mind? Usually, when we approach Thanksgiving, we're just thinking kind of like of two categories of things. Number one, people and logistics. And number two, the food itself which is great, but missing an important category because we usually don't even consider the third category, which is ourselves and addressing our own mindset around things. So we're going to talk about all three of those today. So number one, let's talk about people and logistics. Thanksgiving is so wonderful to be grateful for all of our family and all of the blessings in our lives. And that can be amazing and sometimes more than amazing. Sometimes family can be a little stressful, but there's also the logistics of it. For example, where is Thanksgiving gonna be hosted? Is it gonna be at mom's house? Is it gonna be at my mother-in-law's house? Is it gonna be at my house? Whose feelings are gonna get hurt? Who's gonna say something hurtful and kind of dumb? I know in, in my case, we have family, both sides of the family are in the same town. And so sometimes we even had two Thanksgivings, one in the kind of early afternoon and one in the evening. That was a lot, but it was good. So it's kind of just a, a lot of logistics to figure out. And that can be stressful when you're figuring out like, where are we going to be? Who needs to bring stuff? And also who kind of has their heart set on either hosting it or bringing their special dish and there's there's a lot of things on your mind that can get in the way of just being present and being grateful for the season and being grateful for what you're even here to celebrate in the first place. And sometimes, you know, maybe what if this holiday is different this year? What if family dynamics have changed? 
maybe you know you're empty nesters now and the kids are wanting to spend Thanksgiving with their friends at school or maybe your kids have married and they want to spend Thanksgiving with their spouse's family maybe maybe there's been a death in the family maybe you're grieving how that person is no longer with you and you miss them there are all kinds of things that can make this holiday great and challenging at the same time so before you get into all of the logistics and so forth, give yourself a chance to think through what is on my mind. List it out. Think about number one, with the people. Who, who am I worried about in terms of will their feelings be hurt? And then think about yourself. What do I want out of this Thanksgiving? What are my feelings going into this Thanksgiving? Am I feeling wonderful and grateful? Am I feeling some dread because I'm worried about what, you know, the cousin will say to my sister and then someone's feelings are going to get hurt and all that kind of stuff? Or am I grieving and I want to allow space for that grief? Anything is okay, but just be honest with yourself and, and give yourself that space to feel what you feel. Speaking of logistics, there can be a lot of challenges if you're traveling or if people are coming to town and staying with you. That changes things altogether. And so there can be different kind of mindset tools you can, you can address to handle different environments. So let's say you're traveling. It can be tough when you're traveling because you may not always be in control of the food that is available, especially if you're staying at someone else's house. So that can, number one, raise a little bit of anxiety because you don't know what's going to be available. You don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And also just you know, your normal stuff is not necessarily what you're going to be eating. And that can be a little bit disruptive, not only to your schedule and your routine, but as we've talked about many times in the past, your survival brain does not like change. And that's going to kind of put the alarm bells in your brain a little bit on alert, therefore having your brain looking for familiar patterns and feeling safe by going back to what feels normal and safe, which would be potentially old ways of eating. So think about that ahead of time. If you know you're gonna be traveling, where can you kind of promote a little bit of a sense of routine so that your brain can feel as safe as possible? In addition, travel is hard enough by itself. So I don't wanna give you a ton of rules to think about and, and try and live by. So I wanna try and keep it as simple as possible. If you can just remember these three things to try and remember when you're traveling, it can make your travel feel a lot better. So number one, drink water. It sounds so simple and easy, but being out of our routine makes it harder to drink water. It makes it harder to remember to drink water. And maybe the water is not even as available as usual. So take a proactive effort in getting in some extra water. Have a glass first thing when you wake up. Have a glass before you go to bed. You may not be sleeping great anyway, so it's kind of okay if you need to get up and use the bathroom. Do what you can to get in as much water as possible. Have a glass of water with every meal so that you're staying hydrated and travel tends to dehydrate us in general. Number two, move intentionally as often as possible, ideally every day. And that can be as simple as I stretched today or you know I walked down to the mailbox and back. You can, you know, make it even more fun and include the family and say, let's play Twister or, you know, hey, sister-in-law, let's go for a walk together. Whatever it is, try and move your body intentionally. That just helps your body feel good. The longer you sit on the couch, the longer you stay inside, the more kind of ugh you begin to feel. 
So see if you can try and remember to move intentionally, ideally each day. And then the third thing to try and remember when you're traveling is try and have a vegetable each day. That can be, you know, the green beans uh, as a side on their, you know, turkey extravaganza, or it could be a salad, or it could be, you know, lettuce on top of your burger. Whatever it is, try and have something with fiber in it. Now, there's a couple reasons for that. Obviously, vegetables are better for you than donuts, but there's also the fiber component. When you have more fiber in your body, that allows your body to digest things more smoothly and just things go better and you feel better. And when you feel better, you're more likely to make positive decisions to help you continue to feel better. So guideline number three is try and have a vegetable each day. If you can have a salad, even better, but we'll just keep it simple. So it's water, movement, vegetable. If you wanna add in a fourth bonus, Try and get as much sleep as you can. I don't know about you, but I really struggle to sleep most days, but traveling especially, it's just harder to get a good night's sleep. So do everything you can to promote sleep because when you're tired, your brain has less resources available to make positive long-term decisions. And so you're going to be making more impulsive decisions when you're tired. And on top of that, your body is trying to get energy quickly. And so it will send up cravings for foods high in sugar, salt, and fat. So being tired is kind of like a double whammy. You're less able to make proactive decisions and you have higher cravings for food high in sugar, salt, and fat. So try and get your sleep. So that's if you're traveling. Let's imagine that you're not traveling, but family is coming to visit. That can be great and also disruptive as well. Because this is your home space, you know, in going thinking of survival terms, this is your cave, this is your safe place, and people are coming into it. And that sort of feels, you know, we're talking from the survival brain perspective, it feels like a bit of an invasion, a little bit of a threat. And so even if this is your favorite family member, it still is a little bit unsettling to the survival brain. And so just be aware of that. Notice that you're going to be a little bit off. Notice that your survival part of your brain is kind of on alert and a little bit in the fight or flight mode. And so do a little bit extra to proactively take good care of yourself. You know, we've talked in the past about treating your body first and, you know, putting your hand on your heart, allowing that parasympathetic nervous system to kick in and feel calm and feel safe. So do what you can to remind your nervous system, that even though there are people in your house, you are safe. Things are fine. You don't want that fight or flight system elevated so that when you're feeling a little bit emotional and the the impulsive brain is going to be looking for all of the snacks right now rather than thinking more long term. So that's kind of addressing most of the logistics that we might see. But then there's also the people themselves. And hopefully, that you know, being around your family is a wonderful experience. And family can sometimes be a little challenging. We, we all have things in our families that are, we'll just say special and can be, you know, uh, we'll just go like with pin, on pins and needles sometimes. And so how do you handle when somebody says something that's kind of passive aggressively hurts your feelings? Maybe somebody makes a comment about, uh, you know, how you look or boy, you know, have you gained weight? Uh, hopefully they wouldn't say that, but we can be really sensitive to those sorts of things. And so there's a couple of things that you can think about in advance to sort of help you prepare and not make it mean anything more than it has to. 
So number one, a, a rule to live by is whatever somebody else says, says more about them than it does about you. So if somebody makes a comment about the decorations that say more about their preferences than about yours, if somebody makes a comment about you know political views or something like that, that says much more about them than it does about you. If someone makes a comment about you, about how you look, about your choices, about how you parent, who knows, all kinds of things, that says more about them and their judgments and their biases than it does about you. So just that rule of thumb has has helped me a lot to kind of turn down the volume on getting my feelings hurt and realize I can sometimes even have some compassion for that person and say, wow, what they said normally would really hurt my feelings. But when I think about, think about it, they didn't have the blessing that I do of, you know, thought work and being able to examine their thoughts. And when they were raised, they were raised to really only focus on what will the neighbors think. And so of course, this person is making a comment that, you know, that's along those lines, because that's all they know. That's all they were raised to think about. And so I can have compassion for them, rather than being like, geez, would they, you know, judge much? So that can that can be a way to turn down the volume on something that normally would feel very hurtful and just recognize that whatever they say says much more about them and their biases than it does about you and try and have compassion for where they're coming from. And frankly, sometimes some family members are just predictably challenging, we'll say. And I want to send a nod out to Martha Beck, who created something called Dysfunctional Family Bingo. When you know that there is going to be uh, somebody's going to get drunk you know, Uncle Joe is going to say the, the the annoying comments that he always says, you can either mentally or in reality, create a bingo card and make a game out of it and say, here are all of the crazy kooky things that tend to happen. And normally they hurt my feelings. But if I can make a game out of it this year, it, it takes some of the the pain and pressure and you can just sort of look at it with um, a, a lighter heart. And you say, yep, there goes Uncle Joe saying that annoying thing again. I get a bingo star for that one. And you can even, you know, play it with your cousin or your your sister and just say, yep, there's mom again saying those passive aggressive things. And when she has a little too much to drink, there she goes. You can you can make it kind of fun and try not to make it mean so much and make it so serious and hurtful. So that's category number one, people and logistics. Number two is the food itself. So let's talk about food. This is Thanksgiving, the holiday for food. It's a special time. It's a special holiday. And there are special treats, special foods and so forth. You may look forward to this all year long. And that's amazing. So but think about it in advance. Some intentionality can go a long way. There is the Thanksgiving meal itself. But there's also the leftovers and there's also kind of the hors d'oeuvres and the days coming, you know, preceding Thanksgiving. And so ask yourself, what truly is special? The, you know, my mom always makes oyster dressing. I mentioned that in our, in our October episode. That is special. We only get it one time a year. That's special. But there are other things that are less special. We often have cheese and crackers before the meal. I don't know about you, but I've never woken up the next day and been like, gosh, those cheese and crackers were amazing. They were so good. Yeah, not so much. They're, they're just cheese and crackers. You know, nothing, nothing super amazing. 
And so think in advance, what are the things that are special? And what are the things that are just there? For example, I had a client who went and visited her family and she said, you know, my my mom put out this kind of bowl of nuts uh, and I just found myself grabbing at them sort of mindlessly because they were there. And I said, yep, that's what we do. Scientists have done studies that when food is present, just its presence makes us more likely to eat it. You know, you've probably noticed that in your own life that like if food is sitting out on the counter or if there's candy in the candy bowl in the office, you're much more likely to grab it rather than go seek it out if you can't see it. So think in advance, what's the food that's just going to be there that you might be tempted to eat simply because it's there? And if it if it's great, if it's, you know, the most amazing cheese and crackers you've ever had, go for it, enjoy it. But if it's just, you know, another handful of nuts that, you know, tasted the same as the first five handfuls of nuts, do you really want to have that much? Be intentional. Any decision you make is okay, but do yourself the favor of thinking in advance so that you don't show up on Friday or Saturday after Thanksgiving and mindlessly like, wow, I had like an entire can of of peanuts and I didn't even notice it. So think in advance, what's special and what's just there? And if it's just there, how much of it do I really want to have, if any? Going back to the things that are special, great, enjoy it. But again, be intentional. Think in advance, how much of this do I want to have? For example, I don't particularly like cake or lots of different desserts, but I love chocolate and I love cookies. So cookies are my thing. And I can really go to town on some cookies. And if I'm not intentional, I can have like eight without barely taking a breath. So I want to think about that in advance. How many cookies do I want to have? I'm usually thinking like three, maybe four. And by, you know, the next morning, if I had five cookies, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna be like, yeah, I didn't need that fifth one. It didn't taste that much better. You know, having more didn't necessarily make me feel all that much better. And so Think about how much do you want to have? How much would you love and feel super satisfied with? And tomorrow morning, how much would I regret? So that's the food. And then, of course, there's the leftovers. That's something kind of a special thing about Thanksgiving is Thanksgiving Thanksgiving leftovers, right? But same, same thing. How much do you want to have? What's worth keeping and what would just be there saying, you know, you should eat me instead of throwing me away. (laughs) It's funny, you know, we often have this kind of post-holiday guilt around food because in our minds, we're like, this is special. I only get this one time of year. And that's true. It is special. But when you've been eating the same meal for four days in a row because you're feeling guilty for throwing it out, then that's time to evaluate if it's really helping you and really what you want or if it would better serve your body in the trash. So get clear in advance on your leftovers. What what is worth keeping? For example, like, is that a dinner roll worth keeping? Going back to the like, is this special or, or is it worth it? Like, sometimes dinner rolls really taste amazing. And so, okay, then you maybe want to keep it. Maybe sometimes it's just a piece of bread. Do you want to keep it? Is it special? Is it worth it? So what do you want to keep? And what could be donated? What could be tossed? What What could the dog enjoy? It doesn't necessarily help your wallet by eating more, and it definitely doesn't help your waistline by eating more. So think about what you want to keep 
what's not worth keeping. And for the things that you do want to keep, how much of it do you want to keep? I want to keep three servings of it. I want to keep as much as that's here and keep eating it until it's done. Any answer is okay, but you get to decide. And finally, last point about the food is plan the aftermath. Like literally, let's look at the math. After Thanksgiving Day, make a meal plan for the three to five days after Thanksgiving because you're going to be tired. It's going to be, oh my gosh, now it's Christmas time. You're going to have lots of things on your mind. And the last thing you want to do is plan a healthy meal. So do yourself a favor and plan it now. Even if it's just dinners for the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, maybe even Monday after Thanksgiving, make a plan now and do your future self a favor so that you don't have to try and make a decision when you're already tired, when you know, you've, you've got the stress of the next holiday looming over you. And so plan for the aftermath today and do your future self a favor. Okay, so those are the first two categories, people on logistics and the food itself. And then there's the third category that we frequently forget, you and your mindset. So let's talk about that. What are you worried about? This can be a tough time of year for our body image. It's, I mean, I don't know if there ever is a great time of year for our body image, but this time can be especially challenging because maybe we're seeing family members that we haven't seen in a while. And, you know, we're kind of worried about what they might think of, you know, will, will they be looking at, oh, gosh, I've gained weight since the last time I saw them. That can be a, a really difficult thing to have looming in the back of your mind, kind of churning up emotional and mental energy. Maybe there's that family member that always feels like it's totally appropriate and fine to make comments about your body and your weight. Maybe that's somebody who's close to you, like your mom or your sister. Once again, what they say says more about them than it does about you. I was talking to my daughter about this um, several months ago. She had a friend whose mom is concerned about the daughter's weight. And I said to my daughter, I said, you know, moms really want the best for their, for their kids. And they want their kids to be happy. And sometimes moms don't know how to communicate that in a way that feels helpful to the child. And so in this case, so I'm speaking to my daughter about her friend, your, your friend's mom wants your friend to be happy and she feels like being thin and attractive is the way for your friend to be happy. And so she's not trying to criticize your friend. She's trying to look out for your friend. It's just that your friend feels hurt by the comments that her mom is making. And my daughter was like, okay, I kind of get that. And, you know, how many of us grew up in that kind of situation, you know, so many of our moms had Weight Watchers when they were growing up and their moms, they didn't necessarily have Weight Watchers, but you know, that was back in the day when looking cute and attracting a, a fella was your currency. It was the way to survive because, you know, going out and getting a job and supporting yourself wasn't an option. And so for our grandmothers and our mothers, the way you look isn't just nice, it was survival. And so oftentimes we were raised by moms who put a lot of emphasis on how we looked and that might have really hurt. But again, it says more about mom because that was how she was raised, that how she looked was her currency for a successful life. Things are happily different for us these days, but that still doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. And so try and remember that your 
comments from somebody who is a different generation might say more about how they were raised than about what is actually true about you. In addition, remember the concept of clean pain versus dirty pain. So clean pain is the natural, normal, painful emotions that we feel as human beings. Um, Whether that's I stub my toe or I'm grieving the loss of a loved one or I, you know, lost my job, whatever it is, there's kind of natural, normal, painful things that we experience as, as this human experience. Dirty pain is the additional story that we tell ourselves on top of that original hurt that adds more extra pain. So let's say mom makes a comment about your waistline and she says, are you sure you should eat that? That would be clean pain because you're feeling like I'm being judged by my mom. That doesn't feel great. Dirty pain is she always does this. I'll never be good enough. What, what's it going to take to please my mom? I'm worthless, those kinds of things. And so just be cognizant of the story you're telling yourself about the clean pain versus dirty pain when dealing with family members and so forth, that notice the story you're telling yourself. Allow yourself to have your pain if there is some, but be careful of adding onto it with dirty pain with your extra story. And finally, this is a busy time of year. Where are you not allowing yourself to rest or allowing yourself to acknowledge what you want from this holiday? Often we run ourselves so ragged trying to make it special for everyone else. And we end up exhausted, sad, ticked off at the end of the day. And that extra pie is just waiting there to help us eat away our feelings, except they'll still be there the next day, along with that extra slice of pie on my rear end. (sighs) So proactively give your feelings space to breathe. Allow them to be okay. Allow yourself to be seen and heard to you and by you. That is the best gift you can give yourself. And proactively plan in time to rest. This is a time of year to be grateful and to be appreciative of what we have. And it's not necessarily the time of year to run, 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 collapse. So... Remember, you are human and completely worthy exactly as you are. So always keep that in mind. You are allowed to rest. All right. Are you ready for your one tiny confident body action step to put into practice this week? Let's get to it. All right. When you are mapping out your holiday plan, I want you to add two things to your plan. Number one, when will you rest? Plan it. Put it on your calendar. Tell those people closest to you about your rest plan so that they can help you protect that space. You matter just as much as anybody else. You're allowed to rest. Put yourself in the plan. And number two, plan for after the holiday. Map out some easy meals so that you don't have to think too much about what to cook or eat in those days after having family in town or after traveling or whatever it is that's happening for you this holiday season. So step number one, plan in when you're going to rest. Step number two, plan for after the holiday. And as I mentioned before, there's a whole section of my book about handling the holidays in the section at the end called the imperfect toolbox that gives you tips and tactics for unique things in life that happen like weekends, travel, things like that. So if you've ever found yourself stressing just a little bit during the holiday season, then please check out my book. It's called You Are a Miracle and it's available on Amazon. 
And if there's anything in this episode that has helped you, I would love it if you would write a review. That would be absolutely amazing. And of course, before we go, remember, love yourself because you get to enjoy this holiday season too. Decide what you want and what you want to get from this holiday season and know that your mindset can make all the difference. All right, that's what I've got for you this week. Stay tuned for our part three of handling the holidays in early December. Until then, I will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening today. Seriously, I know it's not a small thing and I genuinely appreciate it and I hope it helped you. Make sure you head on over to confidentbody.coach slash tips and sign up for my seven top tips for little shifts that create big results so that you can start feeling confident in your body right now. I will see you next week. And until then, remember, you are a miracle.